And now we want to share something special with our listeners, introducing Lit and Lit Extra, the new hot sauce IEX just created. We're calling it the official unofficial hot sauce of the stock market. It's a perfect blend of spice and high performance flavor. You'll definitely want to get your hands on some. You can check it out at iextrading.com slash podcast to get your fix while supplies last or tag us at IEX and let us know how you like it. and Lions Live. This is day this is day one of three and recordings in progress. I don't know if you all heard that. So today's topic is the ape nation comes to Wall Street with this title, How Can Things Go Wrong? But before I get going, I have to read everybody some legalese type shit. Sorry about that. Um, today, don't hit the table. Sorry, I told you not to do that. We're going to dig into some hot, you might even say contentious topics today. And we want to say up front, that we won't be able to cover all the topics the community might want us to get to within the hour that we've scheduled. But we're delighted to see the community so engaged and we wanna thank everyone for coming to listen and for sharing their questions in advance, which many did. Uh, for those topics that we do get into, we wanna note that the views expressed by our guests on this broadcast, I can't believe I'm reading this, and those we host <laughs> later this week are not necessarily those of IEX Exchange. Q no, no, I can say that the views that I express um, are actually Ronan's views. Uh, they're not necessarily my own. Sure, I thought you were going to say something funny. Anyway, okay, I'm, going to, right. I'm going to introduce our guests today, Dave Pfeffer <laughs> and Matt Kortz. So, so Dave, Dave's an old pal of ours at IEX. I've known him since our first year of inception, 2012. Dave did some work with us. Um, we heard him uh, interview. I think Dave was NPR. Hopefully I got that right. And we're like, we got to talk to this guy. And he's been a great friend of the firm since then. Uh, we know him. He co-founded Healthy Markets, uh, sits on the FINRA Market Regulation Committee, He's testified before the U.S. Senate and Banking Committee, and now he's the CEO of Irvin AI, an AI agency and consultancy around unstructured data. Unstructured data is a topic that's near and dear to our heart. And then Matt is our new pal. Um, I've seen several of your chats uh, with Dave on your YouTube channel. I think it's, you, you launched, I believe, to the moon in March 2020. Mm -hmm. You already have over 400,000 subscribers, which is amazing and i've watched a bunch of uh, your reports really well done down to earth things explained in plain english which is not something anyone attributes to anybody in this industry and so. i can tell from the screen he's got much better equipment than we we do he's obviously much more professional he's got like he a, does when you hear his yeah, voice yeah david right. hasselhoff type so um thanks guys for joining us i'd love you both to introduce yourselves wouldn't mind we'll start with dave yeah sure thanks uh jr and ronan thanks for having me good to see you matt um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's fun to be here. Like, uh, Rona mentioned, I, you know, I run Irvin AI. We're also, um, working on a new project called Irvin Finance, where we're, uh, crowdfunding for, uh, to build a site to provide retail, uh, better data, educational resources, and a platform for doing collaborative research. So I'm pretty excited about that. And, you know, I'm relatively, uh, I would say new to the, the world of the ape and, and to retail. It, it, uh, just a few months ago, they uh, Wall Street Bets found an interview of me uh, that I did on CNN eight years ago, and just suddenly my Twitter started blowing up, and it was it was kind of crazy. Um, and That's really how on, you got back into the middle of this. That's incredible. It, it, <laughs> it is, you know. It was like I, I I tracked it back to Reddit, and I was like, "What the heck is going on here?" I hadn't <laughs> logged onto Reddit in like six years or something, and uh, it's really been an adventure ever since. And I've really enjoyed engaging with community, and I'm I'm happy to be here to talk about it. Awesome. And like I said, I, I saw, I think you did like two or three, maybe more uh, interviews with Matt. And I think all three of them were informative. And what I enjoyed reading is I was paging down and seeing people's comments and Dave blew their mind, right? And wow. people, people love Matt, by the way. So well, let Matt I mean, just... imagine the reaction to us then. I mean, yeah, you know, well, they... naturally, John, naturally. But like, <laughs> They're going to be just like. Let's put our egos back in the box. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Kors, Mike's to you, my man. Yeah, so uh, I run a YouTube show, and for me, I've actually been <laughs> trading now for about a decade. I'm just an individual trader, uh, and I just, from a very young age, really like the markets. And I actually got my first taste of success when I was trying to develop my own algorithms for the futures market. And I was in New York at the time when the pandemic hit and everyone was locked up. And I was like, oh, like maybe I could teach a little bit about this on YouTube, just a little place for creative energy. And uh, I, I know you guys are like talking about the mic and the background and everything. I'm not a public speaker at all. I've always had the worst time with it. This is definitely like a skill I have to work on day in and day out. And if you watch any of my oldest videos from like 2020 all the way up <laughs> until the insanity of Wall Street bets hit, they're they're 
comically cringe. Like if you're ever feeling down about your life, watch one of my own videos and like on a relative basis, you're like, oh, it could be worse. Um, so I had a lot of problems public speaking. So I started live streaming, started December 31st, um, right before New Year's Eve of 2021. And from there, I was doing it every so often. And I, I'm a big fan of Wall, uh, Reddit, Wall Street Pets specifically. So I was following Roaring Kitty and the whole GameStop debacle. And I myself was in it at that time. So I was very, very excited on Wednesday, January 27th. And I was so excited I couldn't make a video. So I was like, oh, I'll just stream it. And it was one of those things where like all my lucky stars aligned. Wall Street Bets uh, went down. They took the Reddit down. So I switched my my title over and something about that. And I went from like 100 viewers to 1,000. I was like, this is it. I am YouTube. I figured it out. Like, let's go. Watch out, Google. And from there, that was like, I guess, really the start of the start. And uh, a month later, I quit my job as a coder and I just kept streaming and really just covering the story. So from really day one, I feel like I've just had... Um, I'm, for everyone else listening right now, out of all these people, I do not have the same level of expertise on market structure, trading, any of that. But I, I guess we were, I really fit into this picture of just like my finger on the pulse for everything that is Ape Nation and what's been going over like for the really the past 10 months. And I feel fortunate to be in the position with Dave, like you said, uh, being able to speak with him here and there of converting, I guess, some of his high level knowledge to so many people who literally just joined into the market. And like, I don't know, I think this is like one of the craziest explosions in interest in markets and market structure that probably Wall Street's ever seen. It yeah. has, and it's it, that your story reminds me of what it was like when uh, boxes and lines just started to take off and explode. And oh, it was yeah. like amazing, yeah. right? We got our first yeah. 17 <laughs> listeners in eight months in. And... I was going to say, when you hit double digits, <laughs> exactly. that's like amazing. And we've been growing exponentially. Watch out, world. Here we go. We were talking today on the desk. I, I wish I wasn't making this up about paying for an award so we can say we're an award-winning <laughs> podcast. Well, I say we're an award-winning podcast anyway because we really deserve an award regardless. I know, maybe we'll maybe probably pull us one. out in front yeah. of all his well, 400,000 Maybe someone in the Ape Nation will give us an award after yeah. this podcast. Ape Nation po favorite podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll but, take you back to the Ape Council. We'll work on that for you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we would so appreciate that. Thank you. Nice. Do, do you have a question, John? Do you want to oh, kick your <laughs> Thank you. What a lovely uh, segue. A nice... Um, he just showed up today to listen to you guys speak, but I told him you got to ask some questions. I, I am. All right. So um, I guess uh, as an opening question, I'd be interested either or both of you to talk about kind of the um, your view about the origin of the development of this community. Um, was it uh, from your perspective really driven by the pandemic? Did it start before then? Was it accelerated by the pandemic? Um, and I guess um, uh, more importantly, what do you think the staying power is? Do you think that this continues um, once there is a market correction? And for sure, it will happen. Um, they all do. Um, and if a bunch of people end up losing money as a result of that, does that, uh, does that change the trajectory? So either or both. Christ, I asked you to ask one question and it's seven. <laughs> well, you know, I thought it was very thought-provoking. Okay? Dealer's choice. It Go takes so longer to come up with a really profound thought-provoking question. Okay, thanks I'm everyone sorry. for joining us today on Boxes and Lines. <laughs> so as a student of history, I, I would trace it back to the post-war golden economy and the ensuing baby boom. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to be that intellectual. Yeah. No, I, I, I do think, um, and it's funny because uh, actually when I was at IEX, um, that was uh, that coincided with Occupy. Um, mm, that's right. They were right outside the building. They, they were, were right outside yeah. the building. Yeah, it was, mm. and and it was relatively intense at times. Um, and you know, I, I I have said a couple of times. I think this is kind of like Occupy 2.0 um, in in all sorts of ways. Um, and and there are um, you know things about it that evoke that. Um, I think you know you have that sort of post Great Financial Crisis. Um, it, it, the the effects of that were felt uh, acutely by the average person and not by the wealthy. Uh, since then, inequality has ballooned. Then the pandemic hits, making everything much worse um, and also putting people at home. And uh, you have the convergence of technology to bring trading to your phone for free. Um, and I, you know, I think it, it's so it's so interesting to see sort of all these kinds of different strands converge into something like this, and that that's just how I look at it. And uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's original. You know, other people have said that too. But I, I I do think that that when you look at it, there's a lot of disgust at the system, at the level of inequality, 
um, in America and around the world. Um, and there's a big piece of this community that wants to have its revenge um, on Wall Street uh, and stick it to the hedgies. Um, and you know, there's there's a lot going on. Um, I think around that. Uh, and then we're all stuck at home, and there there were no sports, so everyone started trading. Uh, you know, you couldn't gamble for a little while, uh, and now people really got into it. Uh, it's been a bull market as well, so. Um, it's been easy to make money. Uh, and I, you know, so, and like Matt said, one of the really defining characteristics of it is now how widespread this interest in market structure is, which, <laughs> I mean, you guys, yeah. you, know, you know, we were like yelling into the wind for years yeah. and no one really cared about it. Now suddenly hundreds exactly. of thousands, millions suddenly of we're people cool. care. I never thought uh, we yeah. end up being yeah. cool. Now so when I walk into bars, right? uh, like yeah. all the women flock to the market structure. <laughs> no, right? they don't. I'm the no, bottom of market structure, right? Yeah, nobody's going to believe that right now. <laughs> well, that's because I wear a mask, yeah, but okay. if the mask <laughs> wasn't there, right? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> what, what about you, Matt? What is your take on, on the growth of this whole yeah, without reiterating too much, I very much uh, agree with Dave there. Uh, a lot of that was right. And I think just to apply some analytics to it, like fortunately, I'm in the position where I see my own analytics of who's viewing me. And the age demographic is very much people who were directly impacted by 2008 or people in my position who were you were old enough to kind of be aware of what was going on, but you saw your parents directly living through it. So you have this very interesting layer of really when we were sitting there in 2020 and going into 2021, you had this interesting proposition where everyone's feeling, or a lot of people are feeling financially destitute. And it's this proposition of, hang on, you can join in on almost this like troll against Wall Street, make money and like apparently apply pain to Wall Street. That was a fun tactic for everyone to be in on that joke. And I think the reason it stayed around was like, at first it was attractive. If you go to a casino, and I'm referring to Roaring Kitty here, one of the first guys to take a massive bet on GameStop, he started off with 50,000 on GameStop. If you see someone throw $50,000 down on green on the roulette wheel, of course you stop and watch it. So that was like the first thing that I think got caught people's attention. And then it just really bubbled out from there. The financial destitution of the pandemic, all of a sudden it's bringing back like, long harbored feelings from 2008 and as they started diving and diving into it and as this played out over months and months the this retail community started to gain so much knowledge at first some of my first questions is like what, what's a candle chart and now we're here talking about the intricacies of like just all this market structure stuff and yeah. payment for order flow and settlement time uh just the collective knowledge has ballooned so it shows the appetite because people feel as if they can learn a skill set, it can make them money. But on top of it, it feels like you're really, I guess, in a certain sense, like shedding light on potentially malicious loopholes that are continually lining the pockets of the rich and at the expense of the quote unquote average investor. Yeah. Interesting. Let me, let me ask a question to Dave then. To oh, can I ask on one more thing that was Jesus. Oh, okay. <laughs> part seven, A. I'm sorry. No, this this will be quick. Okay. You know, this is live, by the way, right? <laughs> I, so, I'm aware of it. So we normally edit this shit, but anyway, keep going. A, oh, Jesus. Okay. So as a follow-up, I, I think my perception, probably perception of a lot of people is that this community is very sort of testosterone heavy, uh, if you will, that it is, is, is that an accurate, uh, that, you know, sort of largely male, are there more women like uh, that, that are joining the ape community? Um, what's your sense about that? Yeah, so uh, back to my analytics, I actually have those off the top of my head. At first, it started out around <laughs> 95 to five, but mm -hmm. it has been growing. It's about 80, 20 right now. Mm -hmm. um, with it, I mean, I guess we could all theorize of like why it started that, but it is at least trending in the right direction. To me, it seems a bit silly, like male or female, like obviously people want to make money. Like I don't, I don't see yeah. an issue of like why it has to be gender specific. So I'm happy. Um, but with any communities, of course, there, there are problems here and there. So it would be nice uh, more from like a social standpoint for us to overcome that. So people from all races, religions, creeds, genders can like feel welcome in it. Because I, I mean, I, I even see sometimes people try to split it. Uh, this is common with mainstream media to try to split it as a politically left or right thing. But I don't see why. We're just talking about the market, which is equally impactful to anyone engaging in it. If you're like our generation, anything, it doesn't matter. It's not like the market uh, cares your background or your own identification. So right now it is skewed more male, but it is at least trending in the proper direction, in my opinion. 
Cool. Thank you, Ronan. Would you like to ask the next yeah, question? Yeah, I, I would, John. Okay, you know, thank you. Give me the mic Please, back at ahead. some point. But no, actually, I guess my, my, my question is, we do take ourselves serious sometimes. Mm -hmm. You yeah. should see us when we're not taped. Mm -hmm. um, questions more, this one's directed to Dave, and then I have one for Matt. So Dave, having come from more an institutional trading background, and even like sort of Matt seeded the, the, the expertise from an institutional trader standpoint, um, we, we've all watched this evolve over the past like 18 months. And I, I'd be curious, um, Dave, from, from, from your standpoint, how do you think this new breed of uh, retail traders are perceived by the institutional community, the institutional trading community, and maybe what assumptions or uh, misconceptions exist? I, I think the institutions probably see them in, in one of two ways. One, uh, derision, uh, you know, and, and uh, looking down on it uh, and two, uh, absolute deathly fear um, <laughs> to, to become the target uh, of you know the community or uh, to have a position of yours uh, be on the wrong side of the mob. Uh, you know, there's there's no way around it. I mean, they've yeah. really you know they've put big hedge funds pretty much out of business um, a couple of times potentially, uh, and there's probably a whole lot that we never even heard about. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, uh, I, I think that from an institutional perspective, um, at first it was probably, you know, something seen as just a, a you know, a transitory kind of thing. Oh, they're, you know, people are really interested in this and they're, they're sort of, um, you know, using social media, uh, to organize themselves and pile into positions. And once, you know, the pandemic starts letting up, that's going to go away. Um, I think that's probably wrong. Uh, and, you know, the, the second one is also that, you know, they're completely uninformed. Um, and, you know, I think that's also wrong. Uh, now, there's a lot of different levels of um, knowledge in the community and, and Wall Street and market structure uh, are both not transparent enough, certainly, and extremely complex to understand. So, it has taken time for, I think, this community to understand that modern markets are not some guy on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, um, you know, at a post. And, yep. uh, you know, that's something that we've all been trying to communicate, I think, for many years now as well, that markets have changed and a lot of things have not. And that's a problem. And so I, I do think that this is really good in terms of getting more knowledge into the hands of, of the average person. Um, and I think that it's also a chance to not just educate people about market structure, but also sort of financial responsibility and how to manage your money. Um, and, you know, I, I think that getting more people in markets is always a good thing. And it's probably, you know, it's, it's actually something that I've cited many times that that chart of declining household participation in the stock market that I think we're very familiar with. Um, and I, I haven't actually seen new numbers, but I have to imagine that that has turned around. And I, I think that's a great thing for, you know, in general. Let, let me flip that question and ask Matt from the other side, what you think your, the perception is maybe in the community that you talk to of institutional investors and kind of the, it, it, do people make distinctions between, you know, the hedge funds that, you know, may take large short positions um, uh, versus, you know, um, uh, public pension funds, um, asset managers that represent a lot of individual people that are exactly like the retail folks that you talk to. Um, to, to what extent do you think people see any commonality of, of interest with uh, people in, uh, the, in, in that world? I like sitting here logically, I would assume that there is a gambit to people's opinion within that position, like on us, but the ones who seem to be the largest, at least on social media, mainstream media, um, it's definitely a negative opinion. I mean, the name of my show, dumb money, the name of the group apes, like we fully understand that as retail investors, we're, we're just thought to be less informed, uh, less qualified. Um, and to some people's opinion, to the point of like, we shouldn't even be playing with our own money in the market. Um, some of our favorite market makers out there uh, kind of put out commentary saying that we're akin to people who don't believe we've ever been on the moon. Some mainstream media has like said we're at the same level of various conspiracy theory groups. But then it's weird because we are citing and using information of very legitimate uh, testimony from people like Dave or high level scholarly written articles. So it's kind of weird, but then we just take it in stride because 
I think it's almost psychologically a better way to play the the game that we're currently in this like 5D chess match because very much if we're so stupid and we're so wrong well right now why are the things that we're discussing the the equities of interest up thousands of percent how if it always was just a social media pump and dump well why are we still talking about them 10 months into this ordeal um so the ones who have the loudest voice I mean obviously we're a thorn in their side and what's interesting is this is very much the digital town square is through social media and then i find it so interesting that they choose to engage with us through that same form we're like i mean that's our domain like some of them i question i'm like do you even know the the domain you're stepping in with because like as soon as they say something a little out of line like you can count on it within 10 minutes there's probably ten thousand different memes that are made and then that blows up and you get these trends going and I mean, it, it just gets so out of hand, and I, I don't even think they understand the domain that they're competing yeah. in. They argue we don't get the domain of the markets, but I would strongly argue they don't get the domains of social media. So, I mean, part of the reason I, I asked the question is my premise is that there is a lot of commonality of interest between a lot of who I would view uh, characterized as institutional investors, um, people like, uh, you know, Fidelity or CalPERS or um, a lot of um, sort of large institutional investors that are representing standing in front of a lot of individual ordinary um, investors. And that uh, there is, and one of the things that we focus on uh, here at IEX is what are the opportunities for orders from those different groups, from institutional and retail investors to actually interact with each other? Because in some sense, um, there, there ought to be plenty of opportunities for them to interact with each other and um, arrive at a fair price um, that works for both with less intermediation. So you have fewer cases where firms are just sort of stepping between the two and sort of buying from one and selling to the other. Um, but in the current market structure, it is virtually impossible. It almost never happens that uh, those kinds of institutional and retail orders interact. Thank you. That was a little bit of a... Uh, <laughs> that was a little bit of a soapbox, but I was going to um, tell him he's been on mute the yeah, last 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. Um, but but uh, yeah, I mean, if you have any reaction to that, but it does feel like there should be increased opportunities uh, for that to happen. Well, that, that goes right to the issue of payment for order flow. But, you know, payment for order flow is kind of the red herring here, right? So if you, uh, it, there was a, a Ken Griffin interview recently, and he's like, sure, it'd be great if payment for order flow went away, you know, one less cost item. But, you know, that's, that's, that's a very superficial sort of read of the issue. The issue is, in fact, as Citadel argued in 2004, that, you know, off exchange internalization without material price improvement damages markets. And, you know, both Virtu and Citadel uh, were both on the side of believing that to be true uh, before they started making large amounts of money doing that. And I think that's the real issue. So yes, payment for order flow is kind of a convenient thing to look at, but no one should ever mistake the fact that when you're talking about payment for order flow, you're not just talking about the kickbacks that go from the market makers to the, the discount brokers. What you really are talking about is the segmentation of order flow into those systems instead of onto exchange uh, where they would have those opportunities, John, to, to interact with the institutional side uh, of the industry. And I, I always used to say that, you know, I hated when um, you know, TD and, and Schwab were being held up as the voice of retail, when in fact, they're really just the voice of active day traders and market makers, and that retail is institutions. Like the wealth of people's retirement savings and college savings are in institutional funds. But really now it's so interesting because retail is re reasserting itself as well as a direct investing force. And, and, and the best market would be the one that would bring both of those sides together to find each other without excessive intermediation, which is, of course, the goal of the, the Exchange Act as well, right? Well, it, it so happens that IEX is, um, as we speak, is um, about to try to find an opportunity, more opportunities for retail and institutional um, orders to, Are it just occurred to me off the top of my head. That's that, really um, weird, John. Be, yes. Um, odd. So, uh, yeah, I we, we are very quickly launching a new retail program on Wednesday, October 13th, same day as my brother's birthday. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday, Owen. Um, and we are we are endeavoring to do that. And we're not saying that we as one exchange of many of many trading venues have all the answers. But our idea is around uh, trying to get as much retail, Dave, like institutional retail 
in real retail like Matt and the Apes together. And the hope is to do that with midpoint trading. So hopefully on Wednesday, it's, it's it, look, it's a tangled web we weave, right? And there's a lot of people in this market. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of complications you were saying at the beginning, Dave. And we're trying to give an offering where we can attract uh, some retail volume on here. And we can start to run metrics on it. And similar to what you did in your previous life. But when you think about things in the institutional, and Matt, this will bore you because it's sickening, but you have to constantly prove that some sort of best X was affirmatively achieved. And then you might get one more share the next day. And that's kind of like the, the, the one, two, three, what is it, crawl, walk, run approach that we're trying to take. So um, we're really excited to be able to offer something to the retail community because in fairness, I, I say this and I, I say this in all honesty, uh, exchanges need to grab the, you know, the bull by the horns. John thought I was going to say something else, but <laughs> <laughs> I was so close, but exchanges, yeah. exchanges do, and we have to come out with solutions, not just IEX and other exchanges. So I'm, I'm pretty, um, optimistic to see what this yields. Yeah, I mean, we're Thanks not- Thanks for the plug, John. We're happy to do that. Hopefully it will show up in my bonus at some mm, point. No, um, no, but it, uh, yeah, no, um, it is, there are other innovators out there, but I think the good thing about this innovation, it, it is the first time that, um, uh, that retail investors and the brokers that represent them will have the prospect to be able to um, get midpoint pricing. So trading between the bid and the offer price, substantially better uh, price improvement uh, over what may be available elsewhere. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for that uh, mm -hmm. commercial. So I want to, I want to, I want to get back to these folks. So, so Matt, by the way, we're, we're taping this podcast. So maybe when we do the tape, I'll put this question up front, but I, I mean it in all honesty. So please, after all the, the detailed questions, I'd just be curious, um, you know, where did the name ape come from or, why does the retail community, particularly the Reddit retail community, uh, refer to themselves as apes? That's an honest question, not meant negatively. Yeah, so uh, it's still... I'm 47, Matt. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> so it, it's and I'm more, even a wee bit older. Go ahead. It, uh, it, it's more of the reverse psychology of just taking on the name of, like, we know how we're perceived, like, as dumb as an ape. It wasn't the original one. Uh, there was a couple interesting names that was originally used on wall street bets that i just don't feel like mm. i should say out loud as being, <laughs> but, uh, okay you can on this podcast it's, it's live we, we, we edit it out in the recording That's but fine. maybe not yeah. we have very low standards here but go ahead no yeah. fair so i i, I guess uh but it's not just ape bro yeah. you know they they call themselves smooth-brained apes mm. oh really mm. yes yes well and, I mean, and I, then uh, the 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 Reddit the subreddit that I was engaging with uh, dubbed me the Wrinkle Brain uh, Silverback. So <laughs> nice. there, there 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 are there's a hierarchy here of of, of primate, you know, brain. Yeah. Well, well, I'm so old that I would have thought that it was a pejorative term, but I have discovered that it is not. And I want to make clear. IEX is a pro-ape exchange. We want to embrace the apes. We are, you can think of us as the Jane Goodall of exchanges. Uh, and Is that Gorillas in the Mist or something? Uh, no, uh, yes, actually. Yes. Look at this. Yeah, I know there some you stuff. go. See? You, just, you just thought I was a... Yeah. The rest of you can Google and find out. It was, it was just over the weekend I stumbled across a Reddit post that people realized IEX was originally created to basically battle high-frequency trading. And as that permeates throughout the community, you'll uh, you'll probably be held in the high highest regards of exchanges <laughs> someone else can, can i give them my wife's phone number <laughs> not for inappropriate stuff just to, <laughs> you okay. don't want to get ready your wife's phone number. <laughs> that's true that's true no, no, let's, that, let's, let's edit that, that one can't end, <laughs> i can't end in a good place so, all right no. I, I, have a, I have a i have a serious question because i was doing an appropriate level of google creep and I, I was checking out uh, matt's show and I, I saw your recent interview with uh, lisa and i thought it was really really good so the, the question is, um, the ape community, they're behind GME, uh, AMC, and other meme stocks. They've shown investment decisions are driven by other things outside of fundamentals, right? And mm -hmm. uh, whether that's the, the love of the brand of GME or AMC, I'm not entirely sure. But I, I thought when I was uh, watching that interview with you, she said something about you guys are traders, not investors, and that's okay. And I, and I thought that was a, a, an interesting read on things. And I know based on your background, you're more of a, a trader necessarily than an investor. And I was just kind of cur curious, like why those stocks were picked? Is it, in, is it because of their brand? Uh, it's not driven by fundamentals. What, what's it driven by? 
Yeah, so this is actually one of my favorite things to discuss about this whole, I guess, debacle is I, I don't, maybe I missed it, but I don't know where in the market, in the free market, it, everyone said it had to be fundamentally valued. Uh, value is a very philosophical debate, and sometimes things trade at a premium, and some things trade at under their fundamental value. It, value can come from anywhere. And with these two specifically, obviously, it started with GameStop, and the value came on the chance, or I would argue that it came on the fact that people started looking at the numbers like, hang on, this is undervalued and the shorts piled in. So it was trading at a premium on the fact that there could be the short squeeze. And even with AMC, I'm not, I, I know AMC from a classic fundamental standpoint. To me, it's very obvious that it's fundamentally overvalued, but I still believe that value comes elsewhere. And right now, whether it's AMC, GME, or your favorite dog-based crypto, you're seeing value is being obtained from the value of huge communities. So right now, it's just a new age of looking at things, and clearly communities have value. And I think that's just translating into AMC, GME, like I said, some of these dog-based cryptos. AMC, GME specifically, with GME, it was a recognizable brand. People always bought games. They played games growing up. Um, Roaring Kitty, it really just bred out of Reddit, and that exploded it. But with AMC, it was more of a sympathy play at first in January. They're like, hang on, this is another company we know. It has a nostalgic value. Everyone has gone to a movie theater. Yep. They saw that it was highly shorted. And then from there, I get it. There's a lot of other highly shorted stocks. So I think there is something about identifying the company and seeing like, hang on, I've used that product. Like there is that nostalgic tie to it. And I think that helped out a lot. Um, and then with it, people really started uncovering other things of just being on the threshold list. Why did GameStop have so many failures to deliver? Like there was just so much going on that it, it like just slowly pieced together. And the final part of it is just crowd psychology and virality. And I wish I knew how to predict those things. I'd be a much more wealthy man than I am. But uh, <laughs> that like, that's that X factor that it's so tough to pick when things just go absolutely orbital in their interest. Sure. And, and there's also, I mean, there are a couple of metrics in there, right? It's it, it, when we talk about fundamentals, traditionally, we're talking about, you know, balance sheet or cash flows, income statements. But, you know, when, when you, when, when the, the people that were interested in GameStop, um, and and I do think in that community you have a lot of gamers. So yeah. that's something that maybe um, it, it's sort of a wrinkle to this is that a lot of apes are also gamers, and so there is that aspect to this entire this the entire nostalgia thing. of it being such an important part of their lives. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. right there was that piece of it, and then you know they see 140 percent short interest. And, and, and not understanding market structure, but I mean, even understanding market structure, that doesn't seem right, uh, let alone, you know, if you don't. And so that is a way to look at things, not from a fundamental perspective traditionally, but from almost a market structure fundamental perspective to say something is out of whack here, and this is ripe for a massive squeeze. And we want to be on the right side of that when that happens. Right, right. I mean, that can't be, it feels like that is an investment strategy has, um, you know, sort of limited potential. It's not like, I mean, you, you, you need to, at some point, um, you also need to pay attention to what you believe a company's long-term prospects uh, may pan out to be. Uh, I, I'd argue against that. I, you know, so really? um, we've all, it, uh, I, I'm going to, speak out of line here, but, you know, in at least my understanding is on Wall Street, you have to read reminiscences of stock operator if you want a job anywhere, right? <laughs> and uh, I never and read I, it. Good. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and and it, it's one of my, I mean, I love that book so much. Um, and, you know, he talks about cornering the market. You know, it's an, an age old strategy, right? We know of other corners, attempted corners, right? The, the Hunt brothers and, and uh, Porsche mm -hmm. with Volkswagen and, you know, like famous stories. These are like epic stories of Wall Street that people made or lost fortunes on. And I think what Matt was talking about earlier with this, this new age of social media um, and it, it, it is, it's not that this is leveraging crypto, but the, the crypto ethos of decentralization is also sort of at work here. So you have like this decentralized, the, the way I see it is it's a decentralized attempt at cornering the market. Um, and, you know, I, that's the only reason, John, that I would say I'm not sure I would agree with it, because if it's successful, everyone involved will potentially be made extremely wealthy, um, you know, it, just as in the past, Successful corners have worked and made people wealthy, and unsuccessful ones have bankrupted people. But it's sure. not like this is something that hasn't 
happened before. It just hasn't happened in this way. Sure. And to be clear, I wasn't suggesting that that shouldn't be a legitimate strategy in particular circumstances. Look I guess the way he backtracks. Just... He's typical. No, master. I am not backtracking. I'm just making a clear point, Ronan, which is that it's <laughs> embrace getting, the it, apes. It, it needs to, you know, if you're serious as an investor, you have to, I, I, I would think, tell me if I'm wrong, that you sort of like need to look beyond that and that there are other times where perhaps you're just investing because you actually believe the company will do well on a longer term basis um, and that that's that that's an important part of investing too whether you're a retail or an institutional investor or whatever for sure i think, I, I also think it, at least with gamestop which is the, one of the things i know i know i know better than amc um, and I, I do know that the general feeling in that community is that it is a legitimately good play it is a sort of a turnaround uh, focusing more on e-commerce versus bricks and mortars, you know, whether that sort of melts with the fundamental valuation, I can't really say, but you yeah. know, there is some of that. Yeah. And even, I mean, to build off all of this, I guess in general with AMC, the equivalent to that comment would just be, okay, it, it's a recovery play. People going to the movies, uh, the new James Bond movie came out, Venom, uh, Black Widow, like there are a series and of solidly performing movies because in 2020, no one was going to the movies. So there's a little bit there. And like, once again, it comes back to the classic form of fundamental analysis. But I think potentially that might help like set a little bit of framework to this, at least to the the market scholars that are per, like currently listening to this. I think there's a lot of um, two-way opinions going on. And I think a lot of people have high level market expertise are looking at this of like, hang on, like there's just, it almost seems crazy and I get it. But from the ape side, all of this makes so much sense if you understand the core structure of the fact that we think of AMC and GME being so loosely associated with a normal stock beyond the fact that like the chart is its scoreboard. And beyond that, it's it's just a crazy cultural wildfire. It really is to the sense yeah. that it's this deeply human battle of David and Goliath. That That's the mindset. And I know there's like the commentary of other meme stocks, but it really isn't that. It's not the concept of, oh, we're just gonna buy every highly shorted stock and it's gonna work out like this. It is very clear. It's AMC, GME, and really nothing else is thought. There are other plays, but people in their own mind like to like kind of bucket that off as a different type of play. And even that other people also get questions of, oh, what about this as a long-term investment? People know very, very well, at least in the community that I deal with day in and day out, it's a different type of thing. And AMC and GME is just like, okay, this is our fight for market transparency and fairness. Those two stocks are the symbol of it. And when a stock ticker takes on a symbolism of a fight for transparency. And then for many people in certain financial situations, a sense of hope. I mean, I think it becomes incredibly difficult to beat that because then they're writing their, their hedging models and their shorting models against something that just humanity has not seen before. Yeah, no, look, it's, it's remarkable. It's why we have, we have you both on here today. It's, 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 it's crazy in both a good and bad way. <laughs> It, it has. It's been shocking to watch, <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah, like, I mean, like, Matt, did I you, like, 12 January. months ago, could you have believed this shit, Matt? Could no. You, like, no. It's incredible. Mm. And, like, D D Dave got, like, just shaken out of the library, and now he's back mainstream again. Like, it's <laughs> It was crazy. Yeah. yeah no, it, 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 it really and, is. And, and, and for sure, this uh, whole saga, the GameStop thing, and the outgrowth of that, and the... Um, uh, and the reaction of the eight community, among other people, um, to, you know, sort of what happened as a result of that, um, put all this market structure stuff totally on the back burner, um, on the front burner again, um, on the, in the regulatory um, arena. Um, which we, you know, we think is really great. It's not, yeah. which yeah. we think is great, but it was not there uh, beforehand, I think. Before um, you apes, the pain in the ass in the industry was... Was these guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. so I'm glad for someone so else to take the wrath of everybody. Happy to have all the allies. <laughs> we were the irrational um, motherfuckers for years. Yes. Back at you. No, no which is a fairly nice segue, if I say so myself, to uh, you know, to, to our to new liquidity uh, beer. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes. All right. We do have. I feel yes. like Austin Powers. Along with all the, oh. the, swag, <laughs> the swag that we have oh. out here, uh, ostentatiously displayed. Um, uh, but we'll, um, so, uh, what was, <laughs> okay, I'll ask a question. <laughs> Thank you. John, John gets lost sometimes. Like, God love him. <laughs> love him like a pet rock. I tell him that every day. Um, so we, we'd be curious to hear your opinions 
I, I actually, it's really interesting. On the regulatory front. Yes. Yes, yes exactly. But, oh, that I, was the segue. Yes, the on segue the regulatory front. finishes my sentence. So, so, yeah, that's yeah, beautiful, yeah. guys. So yeah, um, thanks, it, it, it is the thing of beauty. Um, <laughs> do you, what, what do you think this community, there's been a lot of talk, obviously you mentioned payment order flow. There's a lot of other issues that people are talking about. What do you think this community is looking for? Before um, you answer that question, I have to tell you, Dave's clock is stuck. So I was looking at the clock and I thought it was uh, a quarter to the hour for so long. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I didn't realize. Nobody notices, but it's a virtual <laughs> background. That's the, that's the way time. to tell. I thought, that was, I thought that was a real background mm -hmm. for a second until the I, clock no, was stuck. No. It looks pretty good, right? It does look good. Uh -huh. It looks yeah, good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, now guys. I'm gonna, well, now I'm just going to be focused. I don't even live in this house anymore. Uh, really? Uh, what, what Those are, you, are your books. What are you doing? They're here? my books. I'm, yeah, uh, I he, moved a month not, and a half ago. He's oh, now okay. in his bunker in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. called the Ape Bunker. <laughs> I pulled the ripcord, man. <laughs> Fled the I country. Uh, what do they call the like the ape area of the zoo? Is there such a thing? Uh, I, the ape area, the ape habitat. Yeah, the I don't know. Primate. I mean, the yeah. primate. Something. The primate. You know, primate he's, he's in his yeah, primate yeah, exactly. palace. Right. There we go. <laughs> there you go, redditors. You get fucking nothing on us. Okay, we're we're <laughs> school redditors. Can we get this fucking thing back on yes. track? Yes. So the apes are, are super we, polite. I'm, up I'm sorry. Here. I'm sorry to yeah for coming yeah, from. I you apologize, especially. apes, that you hear that from John. Um, okay. Right. Sorry. So, Matt, back to regular. Do you? That's not a fair question. But what do you think this community is looking for in terms of regulatory reform? Or is there any kind of like single answer to that question? Yeah, so the headline would be like the ethos of the argument of apes is market transparency and fairness. And then when you dive into it, like I get that it's not helpful for exchanges, regulators, market makers, any of them, when everyone's just screaming, stop the manipulation, stop the manipulation. But if you like really dive into some of the core tenants that they're arguing for, it's more of, they're going to start with payment for order flow. But really, when you dive into that, it's more of, we want as high amount of trades as possible to happen on a lit exchange. I would say that's numero uno. Uh, from there, um, some of them would say completely get rid of dark pools. I personally still see some dark pool utility. I want to see less. I do want to see more regulations in dark pools. From there, simple things of we're pitched the concept that it's a free market and everyone should engage in it. But then why are there little things like pattern day trader? Like if I have less than 25,000, why am I treated differently than someone who has more than 25,000? Um, as people really dive into market structure, they want to rip their hair out the settlement cycle with the current age of technology. None of the apes understand why we're still at a two day settlement. We don't understand why market makers have a six day settlement. Um, if you really want to get into it in 13F filings, why are hedge funds not reporting short positions? That one blows all of our minds. Why is it reported quarterly? I believe there's currently a bill to get that down to monthly. Um, I, I'm sure there's other there's ones that are currently that was one that really bothers me is the uh, FTD reports. I don't get why they're so incredibly slow and then just not detailed of the type of FTD because a big thing in the community is naked shorting and why are people going short without ever locating shares, fixing that system. But then even when we get this report of FTDs at best a month late, why isn't it broken down into the type? Like, was it truly a clerical error? Like so many of them like to post or was it a lot of naked shorts, which is a strong assumption of the community. So I think when you dive into it, it's easy for mainstream media, market makers, regulators to push it off. They're like, oh, they're just screaming manipulation. They don't know what they're talking about. But after 10 months, when you have millions of people looking into it, to me, there's very legitimate cases of some of the things that they're like actually trying to get regulators to look at and improve for ourselves and future generations. Well, there, it, it, that is a long list. And Wait, I, I wasn't that say, great? Yes. No, wasn't that, was, that great? That was, I, that was very I got to say, Matt, I, I, to say. I, I, I might download Reddit. And that was fucking brilliantly done. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you must right, stream right. this every day. That was, yeah, that was people very care. nicely done. Yeah. Suddenly, I, I, people care about market structure, and yeah, they yeah. care in really legitimate ways, right? When we've been arguing for transparency for a long yeah. time, right? Increasing transparency. We've mm. been very specific about what we'd like to see transparency. Uh, it, it, you know, where we'd like to see it. But but now this community has found another area of complete opacity, right? And, and why? And, like, it, that, yeah. that's, that's great. Well, right? that's what's so cool about what you guys are doing is that you really are feeding um, this desire for more information. And the truth is that regardless of where does somebody comes out on these issues, because there are a variety of different um, viewpoints that you can have on it, you want people to be armed with the, the best uh, information that they can to um, sort of arrive at their own conclusions on these things. And I think you guys really are um, performing a, an important service uh, in terms of doing that. 
So I, um, well, and I will say that I think the, the opportunity for significant change is really much greater than it's been for a long time with the arrival of Gary Gensler. Well, I understand some people in your community call daddy. Um, we, we, we at IAX do not call him daddy. We, we, we hold him in very call, high regard. Yeah, but, Mr. Uh, Commissioner. Yes. Well, uh, we actually didn't Mr. start that. A senator did. We got it from a senator. It was in one right? of his more recent hearings. He's like, do you consider yourself a daddy? And I was on stream. I was like, <laughs> what did the senator just say? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is the craziest <laughs> comment ever. Did so he that, realize he was publicly speaking? <laughs> yeah. So that one, uh, we, we took it on because it's just the absurdity. Uh -huh. you, can't, you can't leave that one behind. No, <laughs> yeah. absolutely not. Yes. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, I, I but, wanted to ask at this juncture, if, if Sarah, if we have any questions that we want to ask from uh, the listeners or those who put in questions before. Sure. This is not God speaking. This is Sarah Foster. <laughs> this is Sarah who yeah. is next this to is, God. Uh, She's our director she's, of The closest thing we have to God. <laughs> she um, tells us what to do, when to do it. Yeah, obviously not very successful because no. we depart from the script, but. But sorry, Sarah, yeah. any good questions in there? Sorry, if I say good, not bad. Sure, we have a we have a few questions from people. I would say um, we have a huge number. So sorry if we, if we don't get to you. Um, but I would say one would be um, when you are on Reddit or you're on social media, how do you distinguish different kinds of information? Because as you've mentioned, there have been there's such a there's a wide range. Um, how do you navigate that kind of space? Is that one for me? You, you, you can start. I think yeah, it can be for either of you. Or both. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it's more of I think. Okay, so some of this does have a negative connotation. I feel like people find things and they're actively searching for their own confirmation bias. And I think that's a downfall, especially when you're playing with your own money. Uh, for example, one of the first times I brought on Dave, it was because there was a lot of assumptions about dark pools and the people who were talking about it. I never saw credentials of why someone should be like the, the end all be all information on dark pools or high frequency trading or really any of that. So for me, it's, you got to go on to the next level. I'm in the fortunate position where I can DM Dave and be like, Hey, can you please explain this to the community opposed to people, I guess, making assumptions or distorting it in one way or another. Uh, but with it, it's just one little search, one little Twitter post, discord post, Reddit post. That's not going to be it. You have to have, it has to be confirmed somewhere. You have to dive into it a little bit more. So unfortunately, I can't be like, oh, this is the perfect source, but I would look for various confirmations among the highest quality sources that you could find. Yeah, I, I, I really try and stay in my lane. Um, so when I was on Reddit early on, there was a lot of market structure interest and a lot of theories. Um, and I, I, I found myself debunking a lot of things. And, and there were definitely, uh, times where people did not appreciate that because it did it, it worked against you know what they were looking to understand and and i always felt it was pretty important to do that because you know, there's no sense wasting time in one area when the real issue is somewhere else yeah. um there's you know, plenty and, of serious shit going on that people that's right exactly on, right? there's yeah. more than enough to care about <laughs> uh without worrying about some you know weird theories about how dark pools work or you know that people are uh, buying in dark pools and selling on the lit market, and and that that can actually impact price in any way. So, um, you know, I, I I just tried to do that, and then I also try to not comment if I don't understand something. For example, there's a big movement in the community right now to direct register their shares and get it out of the hands of the retail mm -hmm. brokers and, and the DTCC account you know, the omnibus accounts and actually get it under their name so that those shares can't be lent out. Interesting. <laughs> I, I come from the, you know, high frequency trading and exchange design and, and dark pools and, you know, studying dark pools. I never dealt with back office stuff other than, you know, there were people that I would send stuff to from time to time. Um, and so, you know, it's not, it's just, I, I feel bad, but it's not something I know enough about to comment on. And, and that's pretty much, you know, how I approach that. But that I, again, like to talk about the level of sophistication that the that the community has progressed to, uh, computer share as the transfer agent for GME has never seen as much business as they've been seeing in the last like two weeks, or, and it's really an incredible thing to see. And it would not surprise me if a real material percentage of the float has now been direct registered. I, I still don't know if that means the shares can't be lent out, but um, you know it. it 
if that's true, and, then who and, knows? And, what, then, in, and then in terms of voting shares, if that's something that matters to you at all, then um, you know you want to keep more direct control over the that's shares right, yeah. in terms of yeah, um, voting them in proxy. Uh, yeah, and that was a you know a, a couple months ago. That was the big thing was getting people involved in the shareholder vote. Which you know all of the, all of the stuff aside, that kind of involvement is really healthy and it's really good uh, for markets and for companies and for oversight and governance. And so you know I think these are all there's a lot of good that that hopefully will come out of all of this. And these are some of those things. Great, cool, Sarah. Any other ones? Sure. So um, here's one. Uh, where do you think the ape community uh, will grow to or develop into in the next five to 10 years? Five to 10 years? I'm not I was going to say 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess, I, I think I, I would assume that some of the community is fractured on this. I think there's a certain subset that's in these plays and they care personally about making money. And then you have another set who they're like, yes, it would be great to make money, but they truly are interested in improving the market for themselves and everyone else. Um, so the first group, I'm, I'm hoping that they make all the money they want and they can go on and I wish them the best of their lives. But then for this latter group, I think they're going to stick around. And I mean, that laundry list of things that I wrote off, like, I mean, no one said our government's the fastest moving thing. I would assume in five to 10 years, if we got to half that list, that would probably be a very expedient, like, government regulation overhaul. So I'm assuming it's just going to take quite a few times to uh, continue lobbying for it and actually get changes. And from there, as the community continues to grow, this is how much they've learned 10 months into it. Imagine how much the common retail investor trader Ape will know in five to 10 years. Yeah. Uh, as someone with experience lobbying the SEC, if you get one of those things in the next five to 10 years, <laughs> yeah. it's probably a victory. Yeah. Um, I just came up with a new idea, the Ape Exchange. The ape exchange. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's why he's paid the box he is. It's uh, like an amazing. Well, I hope they I do. What? <laughs> I hope well, they I... do. I, I I hope that group, the cohort you're talking about, do um, stick around, and I hope that they are engaged on these issues because I will say, from my own experience, having been at the the SEC, I don't know if you know, I was a former director of the. Uh, Yes, for a division of trading and markets there. Another um, podcast goes by that he doesn't plug himself <laughs> for that. But, yeah. but it a, uh, you know, investors of all types, the SEC actually does um, pay close attention to what investors have to say, um, both institutional and retail. The problem is usually historically, comment letters from retail investors have, have been fairly short um, and, you know, not, I mean, to the extent that you have retail investors that have really developed knowledge about these areas and are writing and sending thoughtful comment letters about specific proposals to the SEC, I think that would be terrific. And I think it would sort of blow their minds. And I think it would be really impactful too. Yeah, that's exactly um, what I've pushed the, the community to do. Uh, there've been times I've posted uh, SEC you know, requests for comments, FINRA proposals. I feel bad. I've probably flooded FINRA with thousands of comments <laughs> over the most recent uh, short reporting uh, proposal that they put yeah, out. Yeah, they talked to me about that, Dave. And frankly, they're really, you know, they're over it. Uh, they're <laughs> over it. Don't give up, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Just get your uh, fucking clock working. Would you, for Christ's sake, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> I'm also, you know, I, I not to plug it, but I'm, I'm building something because you know, I'm building a new platform for better data uh, tools and collaborative research because I do think that there's a future with this community. I think this community is 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 really uh, passionate about markets, and uh, the the fact that they've been able to to do what they've done, given the sort of quality of data that they've had access to, is impressive. Um, and so we're trying to build something uh, with better data, but also. Um, that really fosters collaborative research. You know, this it's a really fascinating sort of application of the hive mind that we've seen take place on Reddit over the last however many, you know, year, let's call it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think given a platform uh, that that is built to do that, they could do even more. Um, aside from, you know, we want to do education and advocacy uh, with that as well. So, you know, I, th I think that five to 10 years, my hope is that this is still a force in markets. So I don't want to, uh, my eyesight's terrible, but someone put in a comment here by the name of Todd saying he likes the name Apex. That's Apex. 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 Can, uh -oh. you, can you read? Uh -oh. You got your glasses on. 
Todd Gusley Seal. Sorry, great. Todd. I'm well, I, you name. know, go out and trademark it right away because there, there is another apex. There's, an, there's already an apex. No, there is an apex. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm but apex. Apex. Okay. Like the, well, you might have to stylize that in order to get the right protection. <laughs> but I think it's a brilliant How about idea. Ape dash X. Um, Sorry, we yeah, do this all the absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we're not live, we have that. Sarah, any other questions? Sarah, save us, please. Like Matt doesn't know where the market's going we're to five to years. End, we don't know how we're going to get home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, before we get to our question of questions, if everybody wants to say how you can be followed um, and people can hear more if they came in through, uh, through one of the other participants. Yeah, actually, Matt and Dave, please do that because we we have quite a few listeners. Like I said, up to seventeen after six months. <laughs> we have more than that. We have a loyal following. We, we do have a loyal, we have a loyal and growing following. God, don't I, sell I, us I, short. I love them also. I don't know why they listen to us, but anyway, because we bring out Dave and Matt. Absolutely. But if you wouldn't mind letting letting our community know how how they could continue to follow you, because I, I will I will say this all genuineness. As we were looking at, like I love Dave. I've known Dave for years, but I, I saw those interviews. And then I started looking at a lot of Matt stuff and it's, it's really entertaining, but I mean that in a positive way, very informative as well. <laughs> Matt's laughing at me. He's like, this smart ass Irish motherfucker is going to say that. I'm, I'm, dead, I'm dead serious. Yeah, you can't say that on, on like, yeah, of course uh, I can. Like, I can say whatever I want. Who's going to fire me? You? All right. Great. Love you, John. Yeah. Thank you, Roman. Promote yourselves like John. Most so most of the time uh, I'm on Twitter. So uh, D Lauer, D L A U E R, on Twitter. Um, and then, like I said, we're we're um, crowdfunding right now for this new uh, retail analytics and research ed and education platform called that we call the Terminal. And that's you can go to the the website Irvin U R V I N dot finance. And uh, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, I am Matt underscore Kors, K-O-H-R-S. Uh, and then on YouTube, I'm just Matt Kors. Unfortunately, I don't have a platform like Dave, but I am always shilling for likes and subs. So if you have the time, check that out. <laughs> and and nice. any there, uh, anybody, any anyone out there on Ape uh, Planet who wants to continue uh, listening to boxes and lines, we would love to have you um, follow us. Yeah, please, please follow us. Get it up to eighteen. Anyway, so every every guest that joins us, all seventeen of them, funny that number worked it's, out. It's uh, way more. I'm that. joking. We ask the same question, um, kind of cliche, but we get some funny different answers. So I guess I'll ask the question to you first, Dave. What's your favorite Wall Street movie and why? I mean, I, I have the only right answer to this question, which is trading places, right? It's, yes, <laughs> it's epic movie. Mm -hmm. How can there be another answer? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, why, you know, it's, it's just one of the greatest comedy movies of all time. And it's also centered around the pits and uh, also shows that um, it takes no uh, special skill to be a trader. So it's kind of perfect <laughs> in so many ways. <laughs> any, any schlub off the street can do it. <laughs> Not that that's what he's saying about you, Matt. Yeah, but Matt, no, absolutely no. not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to, I guess, jokingly say American Psycho, just because you learn so yes. much about mm. trading, like so much about supply, demand, like good discipline. Uh, but in reality, my favorite one's probably The Big Short, uh, just because with my age group specifically, just to see like how that played out. And really, I think it's a lot of it that resonates with the group right now of just people's opinions of like, hang on people within Wall Street act like they're the smartest in the room and they know what's going on, but sometimes they could be steering the ship right into the iceberg. Right. And, nice. and, and those that are looking for, for MOAS uh, would definitely be focused on that. See, I got the lingo down. Yep. Uh, Perfect. That point. Well, I don't <laughs> even want to ask. What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we leave, we always say no one leaves here without getting nothing. Uh, yeah, you and get we, next to nothing. And okay, we normally but, give people yeah. their very own pair of boxes and line socks, <laughs> which wow. uh, the youth of today love to wear very mm -hmm. colorful socks. So mm -hmm. you guys are getting your socks. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're also going to get your very own. There you go. Your very own IEX baseball hat. No, there you go. Okay. You're still calling baseball well, hat. But more importantly, uh -huh. we're going to send you each 
your own marine layer IEX hoodie. Oh my God. Very, yeah. very comfortable. We have never, uh, we've never offered that to any other guests on the show. I, yeah, thought, I, I mean, we, now we're going to have to do this for everybody. We're doing one tomorrow and Wednesday. Oh, this Jesus is our three Christ. day live. Now we're, we're going to like sell out the I, store and the ship. Mark, Mark comes or texts to me. They're like, Jesus, you're supposed to only give the socks away. That's <laughs> my father's Christmas here? present. <laughs> well, <laughs> Dave and Matt, wear, 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 them, wear them loud and proud, please. Yeah, we, we, we appreciate you joining us. You got you guys have been like amazing and like i said and i mean it with complete sincerity it's just amazing how much this thing has moved along so fast and i asked matt i asked dave the same question 12 months ago you would have you would have never envisioned it this at this level so it's it's amazing so i'm not going to ask you what five years from now will yield but like even 12 months from now 12 who, who knows? months it's uh, hopefully you're still doing there you're doing great work and i hope you keep it up um absolutely all right it's you want to do your service. shitty irish accent at the end kind of thing god bless you all god bless you all please watch us on boxes and nines next time a penny for more construction god bless you all. <laughs> stay away from my pot of gold <laughs> there you go there you go exactly. that, that, that's you a pretty go. good day we should yeah. take that <laughs> Cheers, fellas. Thanks very much. We Thanks appreciate having you on. Thank you. you. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only. And IEX Group, Inc. and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities, or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversations may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group, Inc., all rights reserved.